What's going on guys? It's Tom here. Um, how you doing? So today we are just going to talk about baseball. We went around the league after a lengthy talk about the New York Yankees and then jump into basketball. I got a little overexcited about the Knicks um, and then we talked briefly about the Nets and then some NBA free agency and some Kawhi talk. So uh, thanks for listening and have a good one. All right, we are back. It is the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Almost called us the Yankee Clippers there, but what's going on, Sean? Uh, Tom, don't do that. Good to talk to you, man. How's everything? Uh, just came off a Yankees loss to the Orioles, but there's another one tonight. Um, CC did not pitch too well. This Yankees rotation is um, in shambles, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, it's one good start, one bad start, one good start, one bad start. No consistency. Um, you know, Sabathia has been very good this year. Tough start today, a couple big home runs. Always going to have at least one or two bad ones, which is fine, you know. Yeah, Camden Yards is a tough place to pitch in, and that, you know, for as awful as the Orioles are, that lineup can still hit, so... So let's just keep it rolling. And we you want to just well. keep it going? Um, <laughs> Good you know, segue right there into the I'm first gonna topic. Say, I'm going to throw a name out there and just tell me how you feel when I say it, all right? Go. You ready? Go. Sonny Gray. Next. <laughs> so I was actually talking to a couple of people about this, and this is how I feel about it, okay? I'm trying to look at as the glass as full as possible. I give you credit, man. At least he pitched. At least he pitched bad, so you know that the Yankees are looking for an alternative plan. Because the other other option would have been that he would have pitched well, and then they would have been like, "Oh, he's turning the corner," and then he throws up four more terrible starts in a row, and then he throws one good one, and they're like, "Oh, he's turning the corner." At least it's just like, "All right, you're gonna suck. We know you're gonna suck. We gotta look for something else." Yeah, no, I mean that is that's true. The one that's thing the only you way. You, yeah, no, that's the only thing you can do. I mean, another start on Friday night, uh, five runs in the second inning, two innings was all he lasted. Um, is it uh, at this point? You know, it's just like talented guy, just not built for New York. Yeah, at all, I think it's that. So just I just can't pitch in the AL East. I saw this article that mentioned not long after the podcast that we did the other day. It surfaced from Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated, who's been very close with Major League Baseball and with the Yankees in particular for a long time. And uh, he wrote in a very strong detail about Sonny Gray's struggles, not just in the Bronx, but as a Yankee overall. Even his road splits are bad. Do you know that he has a worst ERA through this many starts as a Yankee than Ed Whitson, who will cr- make Yankee fans cringe from the 80s, and Carl Pavano. Worst ERAs than both of those guys, who are two of the most notorious. I don't know who Ed Whitson is, Ed but Whitson I know who was Carl a pitcher Pavano who is. came over from the Dodgers in the mid-80s, and he was a big-name trade get that Steinbrenner brought in, and things were so bad uh, for him where he couldn't pitch at Yankee Stadium. Ed, uh, Lou Pinello, who was managing at the time, wouldn't even let him pitch in Yankee Stadium. He had to let him pitch on the road. and I mean, it just got into his psyche. I mean, he, he just was not built. He was completely completely shaken from the fans, from the experience, from everything, where it just derailed his career. Sonny Gray's ERA is worse than what his was. Carl Pavano, who's our generation's Yankees punching bag as far as pitchers are concerned, Carl Pavano had a better ERA at this point through this many starts than Sonny Gray does. I mean, that is incredibly troubling. I think we've got. I think we're there, man. At this point, it's over. It's got to be over. I, I mean, I know they're going to continue to run him out there till a better option comes in. But 
every game he pitches is another loss, and Boston doesn't seem to lose. But my thing is, like, does a better option need to come in from outside? I think Luis Sega, I think, um, you know, Sheffield, Herman, even Sheffield, or even, um, what's the other prospect's name? Uh, Adams, Chance Adams, Adams. You know, even if he has a dud, like, at least there's a little bit of hope. I think the Give problem, go. yeah, the problem is now is Lois Sega, who made who made a couple of those starts, um, is on the Triple A DL with shoulder inflammation. So that's always you never know what the timetable with that is. The other thing is is with a Herman, with a Sheffield, with an Adams. So those guys are all on innings limits. They're, you're not going to blow past their innings limits. Well, I would piece all of them together and just have like a fifth starter of the three of them. Kind of a oh, yeah, and maybe you know, um, Cashman's really good at stretching out a forty man. So. True. I would much rather see that and have Sonny Gray go to an extended spring training. Like I said, I've been screaming about this. Get put the guy on the ten day DL, just making an extended one, and you know, send him down, let him pitch a couple of simulated games, or go to his pitch doctor that he goes to. Every guy, every every guy's got a guy now, right? That they that they feel comfortable with practicing in the off season, and maybe just get back to that form that we saw in spring training and in flashes of last year. I think the problem is. And it looks like now is he's kind of, I don't think, I think we overestimated uh, the pedigree that he had and kind of the, the, the leash that he had. I don't think he's been consistently good enough in his major league career where you can fall back on and say, if you just get him right, he's what he was in 2013. You know? I agree, but you, you got nothing else at this point aside from piecing it together or really young guys. And, you know, that just as a whole, it's just this rotation is really in trouble. I mean, I know when you get to the playoffs, it's going to be... It's uh, a three-man rotation. Yeah, exactly. But it's about getting there. And, you know, you can't rest on anything right now because the Red Sox are either ahead of you or right on your tail. You know, in any other division, I'd be like, oh, we'll just, you know, piecemeal it together. And, you know, the the offense will get us through and we're going to win the division and be fine. But... That wild card game is scary, man, because one bad outing from Severino in that wild card game, and the season's over no matter how yeah, much fun it and, was. Yeah, and maybe facing a, a James Paxton from the Mariners in that you know in that spot too is, is not something you know that could give Yankee fans bad flashbacks of the Dallas Keuchel 2015 wild card game where yep. Tanaka actually pitched quite well, but he wasn't Keuchel. So um, no, it it is troubling. I think that's why you're going to continue to hear names like Jay Happ. And Cole Hamels and anybody Hap else. good against the Yankees, although he gave up a couple early runs, touching 95-96 from the left-handed side. I mean, I yeah, take I a don't fire on him. No, I don't, I don't worry about those kind of outings. You know, he's not going to face a lineup as good as the Yankees' lineup is against left-handed pitching. Um, maybe Boston's, but, you know, he's, he's AL East battle-tested. Apparently, the Blue Jays' are, price tag for him is pretty high. They've been in constant communication with each other about what that price tag is. It will drop. It should. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a tough situation. I mean, I'm at the point now where you're probably going to have to say we might have to get two starters because I know I'm not going to overreact to CC's game today. He's been so good. But your second half, a guy who's 37 and, and bad knee, you never know what's going to happen. You have guys down in the minors, but they're not used to pitching – really that deep into the season, like you said, maybe string it together. I wouldn't be surprised if Cashman went the route of also bolstering the bullpen and saying we're going to take some pressure off of our starting pitching. You know, Tanaka comes back tomorrow. That's going to be a big addition. You know, he'll eat those innings. He's going to be, more, you know, relatively consistent. He's going to be better than what you have. You know, Herman's going to be a number five starter. He was really good yesterday. Um, he's had some struggles. Most of the time, though, he pitches well enough to keep you in a game. 
Do you want him pitching a big game down the stretch in Boston? Is he going to be allowed to based off of his innings limits and whatnot? So um, you can kind of talk more about that too. I, I, I don't really know where – I don't know. Is there a name that kind of catches your eye as far as a starting pitcher is concerned on the market right now aside from Jay Happ that's, that intrigues you? I mean, we, there's no Verlander out there this year. No, I mean, you know, you got Fulmer out there, but we've already spoken to that, that he's no Verlander at this point in his career. Um, I mean, aside from Hap, I guess you have another lefty, Cole Hamels, and the more I watch him pitch, the less I'm really, the less I'd really like to see the Yankees give up prospects for him, or at least Grade A, which is what they're going to ask for. Right. I I think you know the always the tough part about seeing guys like Hap and Hamels and last year Verlander is, are they starting to lose it or are they just? pitching on really bad teams these are guys who are used to pitching in world series games big postseason games big games in september down the stretch you know when you know you're out of it already in june early july is it just a simple hey your mind's not there yet you kind of need that jolt of a pennant race to reinvigorate you or are you losing your stuff it's one of those gambles that you know it really could go either way yeah, and, and piggybacking off that, I mean, I saw that the Mets were more interested in dealing Wheeler and um, Mats, which is just a classic. The Mets just get me every time. They think that they're going to get so much money for the back-end guys and still be able to hold on to their two best assets. That's not how this shit works. When you tank, you tank. <laughs> if you're bad, you're bad. Go out and get four blue-chip prospects for Syndergaard and go out and get three blue-chip prospects and an MLB-ready talent for DeGrom. I... What what else is there? You guys, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs next year. No, they're the oldest. I think aside from the San Francisco Giants, are the oldest team in baseball. If only Cespedes was healthy, maybe they could unload him this year and probably more like next year on somebody just to have a bat in the playoffs too. Yeah, I, I, and that's another thing is they – I mean, Todd Frazier hit the DL again today for them, but – you know, just hit, hitting back to the Yanks for a second is so you've got these rotation problems, right? The, this has been kind of the the mo that from all season is they're going to win some games simply because they can out slug teams. They're going to get some big performances. I mean, really, with the exception of today, CC was good. You know, he made two bad CC pitches, will be fine. but he's fine. But once again, you 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 wonder how he holds up down the stretch of the season. You feel good about pitching him against Boston. Um, Severino's a, an ace. I don't think the Yankees have to worry about finding an ace. They have one. Tanaka, you know, Absolutely is good not. in big yep. start in big games, but sometimes he can get hit. And he's th- a good two-three starter. They yeah. need another good two-three starter, right? Which you hope Cole was going to be. be Gray. Yeah, yeah, and it's just but not. It's not Gray. And you know, going back, looking back at the first podcast um, and the second, we were so wrong. Yeah, no, we were. I think everybody was wrong. I mean, you referred to Sonny Gray as a warrior. I mean, I got it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I didn't call him that. I made fun of you for that. I mean, but I also did say that I thought he was going to be an ace for for cheap and, and you know to pitch against worse pitchers. And God, he he can't even win a game against you know the worst pitcher on the on the other squad. It's embarrassing. It is, and and you know not even he getting, beats himself out there every single time. That's a really good, good way lineups, to put it. bad lineups, doesn't matter. He beats himself. Yeah, I mean he's he's a perpetual overthinker. It takes him forever to throw the ball. It doesn't look like he has any conviction behind any pitch that he throws. It doesn't look like he has the ability to to make a pitch that I can get a guy out. I would rather see him at this point just say 
here's here it is just hit it you know at this point you're not nothing else is working for you yeah just go out there you know throw the ball as hard as you can and just try and try and throw it down the middle and see where it goes yeah now here here's an interesting one for you so i was following the I was following the sunday's games yesterday you know keeping close tabs on how the yankees were gonna do and they they took the series from toronto uh in extras but i was following what nathan avaldi was doing over at city field and he had a perfect game through six against the Mets, even into the seventh. And there were a lot of scouts there, including scouts from the Yankees. I'm okay. I, I don't I don't need them. I think the Rays are going to ask for a lot because you know in this kind of depleted pitching market, he might they might be able to get something good for him. There might be a team that looks for him. You know, he's had a couple really good games uh, since he's been back, but none that stick out to me against really good teams. I mean, you just talked about the Mets there. They're basically a triple-A lineup. The A's, you know, he pitched a really good game against. The A's have been playing better, but still you A's wouldn't call them great. Yeah, you wouldn't A's call them a juggernaut, though. 17 of the last 20 games. Yeah, but they when he pitched great. against them, they weren't playing well. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of good. You know, I've seen what he can do. He's going to give depends up some home what, runs. Depends on what you get for him, but he's just another one of those young guys that didn't do anything and was just – very injury prone. I mean, I watched Very a couple of innings. I watched a couple innings. The guy's still throwing 98 miles an hour. He he looks great, but you know, I think the Rays are going to try and ask for too much. I think they're going to ask for too much on Blake Snell as well. I don't think um, they're going to trade him. I, I think the Rays are too good. I, I think they're going to look and say, you know what? Like we we could maybe trade him next year. We could trade him in the off season. They're they're not a horrible team. Like I watched them play. They're really not that I mean, bad. Snell's probably going to make the All Star team, although he was snubbed off of it. But I'm sure he'll make it because Verlander's going to miss a start or uh, miss the All Star game because he's starting next Sunday. And, you know, they got Ramos starting at catcher. So, yeah, they're not a bad team at all. Um, but just to get back into the trade deadline talk with the Yankees, stay on topic. Um, they're, they're also interested in bullpen, which you said earlier. Um, Zach Britton as well as Hand. Um, what do you think about that? I think Hand's going to be, you've said it before, expensive. Britton, I don't know because he's coming off a big injury. Yeah, I think the Orioles are trying to – he got the save against the Yankees in the first game today. Um you know, they're trying to get him back into where he could really, you know, kind of at least recapture some of that, some of that dominance that he's had prior to the Tommy John and the, um, and the Achilles. Brad Hand's going to cost a fortune. The Padres are, you know, he's one of that, those very few trade chips of theirs that, that is established. He's under team control, not making a lot of money. He's going to cost a pretty penny. Um, I don't mind it in theory. You know, if, if the starting pitching out there isn't great, Cashman might look and say, "How do I, how do I really improve this team and make it to the point where you're you can maybe have one of those?" That's a really deep bullpen. And yeah, I, and I'm, I'm more confident with um with Aaron Boone running this bullpen than I had than I was with Girardi. Yeah, since, you spoke to that right since a few years ago, you know, and he really seems to be pushing the right buttons at the right time, um, and using every single like everybody in that pen, including Shreve, who makes you um, cross your fingers and really, you know, just hold on to every pitch. But even even using him in instances where the game is already basically won and just an innings eater, he's used every single guy properly. Yeah, and he's you. You made a great point on it last podcast was when 
you know, like he he's really gotten Batances back into form. He, gotten Batances back into form. Two things that Girardi never would have done, and I said this last podcast, so we don't really need to dive into it. He never would have. He never would have resurrected. I guess you would say Batances, and he never would have. Girardi never would have discovered Holder. Yeah, probably not. Not because not to this point. Girardi would have gone to his guy. You know, like you could call a Girardi game right down the middle, depending on how the starter was playing. Like this guy's gonna pitch here. Oh, here comes Robertson. Up oh, here comes Green. You know, Green. Yep. Here comes um, Chapman. Canely. And Canely Ch- yep. You know, Chapman's gonna slam the door, and that's fine. But you will never have, you know, the guys that you need sometimes, like a Shreve, like a Holder, Batansis especially. Well, they'll never come out of it, and then you're wasting those arms. Yeah, and away like Canely and. A, Robertson and those guys are going to get gas, but now it's like you have a very versatile bullpen. You know, I'm not. I'm fine with Holder coming out and doing something in the eighth. I'm fine with Robertson in 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 the sixth. The only guy who really has a true role. It kind of reminds me of the Cleveland Indians is Chapman. Yep. You know. Yeah. And, kind and of the I Cody like, Allen. Absolutely. Yep, and I feel like ninth. in the playoffs. Boone might be the type of guy to get a little crazy too, and and if he needs Chapman in the seventh because there's a big lefty coming up, or you know, the heart of the lineup's coming up. He's not going to be scared to put him out there as well. No, and I think that's where you see, you know, maybe the addition of a of a Britain or a hand. Because here's the other thing: is the Yankees are so loaded with prospects, and they're going to come to a point where they're going to have a 40 man roster crunch. They're going to have yes. to trade some of these prospects at some point. And obviously, you have your big names of your Clint Frazier's, your Justice Sheffield, your Miguel Andujar's. I know he's been up, but you know even Brandon Drury to a lesser degree, yeah. and Esteban I, Floreal. But I look at it too much of like a fantasy, a fantasy sports manager, where I'm like, I have all these assets like Austin Wade. You just said Drury, um, and some of these McKinney. other guys. Yes, yeah. and it's just like I gotta unload these guys because if not, they're just gonna sit on my bench. And it's it's honestly the same thing for the Yankees. At some point, these prospects are gonna have to go somewhere, right? And you need to get some talent for them. Yeah, they're gonna be guys that each individual one is gonna be traded for. You know, a single A pitcher who you don't have to worry about for this. You know, like look at the Mariners. They got. Um, James Pazos and they got Ben Gamble out there. Both guys that the Yankees traded for like single A arms that or single A players just to just to get a roster crunch out there. Jake Caves playing well in Minnesota. Same thing. You just had to unload him because he was accumulating a roster spot. So you're gonna have to do that. So if you have all these assets and you don't find a starting pitcher that's valuable enough, you're gonna have to unload him. You're gonna have to unload him on something and maybe ten years you know, away get or... another dominant reliever. Yep. And already add to the strength. I mean, this might be a very 2015 Kansas City Royal-esque feel where you're asking, with the exception of Severino, you're asking your starters, give me four. Give me four in a big game, even down the stretch, because in a game where we don't use Holder and Robertson, we're going to use Hand, Chapman, Batances, and Green. And then- yeah, you because that's how the Royals were. They literally had Johnny Cueto, and that, who who is va- basically your Severino because right. he was just they were both just as dominant. He was just as dominant at, at the, the time. time. And then um, your two starter Tanaka, who is basically the, the guy Edison Volquez or some James or, Shields or the guy who just passed away who who threw a hundred. Oh, you're Donovan Ventura. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're Donovan Ventura. And then you, everything else is piecemealed. Give me four, and then the bullpen's gonna come, and you better have scored your runs because we're gonna slam the door on you every single night. Yeah, and that could be the philosophy. I mean, I I don't I think Cashman would love to get a starter. Quite honestly, I think he'd like to get two. But it's going to depend on what the price tags are, and if he if he's 
he's not going to overpay for a rental in Hap. He's not going to overpay for Hamels, who is what he is at this point in his career. I think he can get one of those two guys. I think he will get one of those two guys. But I also believe that he's going to look at the bullpen and say, how can we get even better? You know, Canley's been down in AAA. Still, he's only touching 95, 96, not 98, 99 like last year. But with That's his a case of dental. Yeah, and, but with, with his absence, you found Jonathan Holder. And, you know, like I think he'd like another lefty, another good, a really strong lefty because you don't, Trajan Shreve's not going to be on a postseason roster. No. And in case we're a really big left-handed bat coming up, you know, obviously you have your your Greens and your Batances and Robertsons. They can face anybody. They they dominate lefties just as they do righties. But I think you would love that really strong left-handed arm. Brad Hand also is a lot like an Andrew Miller who's used to pitching two innings at a time. Um, that might be where you use your assets for. I, I, you know, and, and kind of to go off of your point, you made a really good one earlier just in passing of, you know, Aaron Boone might be a little more apt to, to challenge the status quo. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a big game at Fenway and Domingo Herman is in line to start where they say, hey, give me one or two because then we're going to go green and then we're going to go Robertson and then we're going to go Holder and then we're going to go Batances and then we're going to go Hand and then we're going to go Chapman and something like that. And it's it's very unconventional. I think it probably makes the traditional fan cringe. But in the new wave of analytics and the very crazy, you know, the crazy nature of how the bullpen game is now, I mean, Brian Kenny did that whole piece last year on the wild card game about how, you know, Green should have started for the Yankees and go Green, Canely, Robertson, Batantis, and Chapman. I mean, you could do that. Absolutely. And the Tampa Bay Rays have the best ERA in baseball since they stopped doing the, oh, the started, traditional starter and yeah. now they have an opener. Yeah. They have the best ERA in baseball, which is incredible. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I, I could say to that as well, Britain's a left-hander, and you could also see a trade like Cashman did last year where he went two for a couple prospects, and you could get an, a Darren O'Day. Who, oh, he's out for the year, though. Mm, that's the tough part is he's, he's out for the year. You might have him for next year. Yeah. I mean, maybe a but Brad Brock. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, something like that. Or get one of their, you know, maybe maybe a double-A pitcher or something like that. Maybe yeah. you find somebody in their at rotation. That point, that's, though, at that point, I'd probably rather have a hand and a Britain yep. if you could. Yeah. Because you can get Britain probably a little bit cheaper than the asking price when he was dominating and being a closer, of course. Right. And, and lately, what Cashman's been doing is taking closers from other teams and making them, you know, middle bullpen guys. Even if you look at Batances was a closer for the Yankees, now he doesn't close anymore because you have Chapman. Right. Same thing with Robertson. Even Canely closed for a little bit of time. Like, and, and it's just like the the Brian Kenny bullpen ace kind of guy. It's like you, your best pitcher doesn't have to pitch the ninth. It's just he pitches when he's needed. Right. Yeah, and I think he does like having Chapman. Chapman's got that kind of... St- classic closer mentality you can see like you don't see that a lot no and and he doesn't pitch well when they're trying to get his work in you know if they're winning by five and they bring him in because he hasn't pitched in four or five days you know he just doesn't look the same but in a big game even if it's three days in a row you know one or two run lead he really he really has brought it this year but yeah i mean it's going to be very interesting We're, we're not even three weeks away um and and we really need we really need to see you know what? What's going to happen? What they're going to do? They have all these assets. They have all these moves to make uh, in the roster right now with Glaber Torres and and Sanchez out. You know, till the All Star break, they're going to try to. Their 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 offense isn't as explosive. It was nice to see them win a little with with a little ball mini ball yesterday. Uh, small ball. small ball there right there, there it, it is. is good term yeah it was, it was one of those it was one of those but <laughs> little ball <laughs> little ball uh, 
<laughs> Little League. Um, no, but it was like, you know, hit by pitch, bunt the guy over, big single from Gardner. That was a nice win. Today, they hit some home runs. They still lost. Uh, I, I don't know. Boston doesn't lose. You know, the Yankees have been taking two of three from bad teams. Boston's been sweeping bad teams. Yeah. I think Boston will go on a dip, and the Yankees will catch up. They're, this is going to be – like, the Yankees play Boston to end the season – I think that's going to be the difference between that series is going to be the difference between a wild card and the division. Yeah, I think it's really going to come down to that. Believe it or not, and those a four last game three, set. Four games. Yeah, they they got a four game set at Fenway the second weekend after the All Star break, Thursday through Sunday, and that's going to be huge. If we could take three out of four in those, that'd be incredible. That would be pretty. I mean, I think the Yankees stack up well with Boston as currently constituted. I mean, I think as far as between Boston know, right now is clicking on all cylinders. The Yankees are and they not. really have, and they, but that's the amazing thing, right? The Yankees have all these problems. Glaber Torres starting, or you know, an all-star. They're starting second baseman out for the next week and a half. Same with Gary Sanchez. And, you know, Sonny Gray has not given you a win. Not to mention, aside from Severino, your starting staff has been aside, maybe CC. I'd, I'd throw CC in there. Know, Before today, he very been Very really underwhelming. Good. You've been getting, which we'll talk about in a few seconds, nothing out of first base. Um, left field has been a turnstile between Frazier and... You know, it's been basically swapped between Frazier and um, Gardner. Gardner. Yeah, uh, Hicks has really been great, but you know he's up and down. He could bat, you know, below a hundred next week. Stan took forever to take off. The really consistent guys have been Andahar, Judge, and Torres, and Torres, and that's it. Yep. I mean, again, the short um, Didi, hot start, nothing sense. Yeah. You know, and not to mention Sanchez, who, you know, hit you a few bombs, but that's it. He's in 200. Wait, wait till this team starts clicking. It's going to get really, really fun. I hope. I hope so, too. And that's the thing is, you know, they're, they, they're, if it sounds like from a Yankee perspective, is the sky is falling. They're two and a half behind the Red Sox. They're 18 games over 500. But that's the problem. If it wasn't for the Red Sox, you could let Sonny Gray try to figure it out. You could let all these other things work out. Maybe the sense of urgency wouldn't be there, but it is it, because the team that happens to play ahead of you and with this new wild card format, I can't even call it new anymore. It's about seven years old, but yeah. that one game playoff, I mean, that is a horrifying position to be in. And the, you know, in baseball, like today, the Orioles just beat the Yankees. The Orioles just won their 25th game of the year. Uh, you know, and they just beat a team with the second best record in the league. I mean, on any day, any team can win more so than any sport. And it's if you get if Paxson comes into Yankee Stadium and that left-handed arm is really going, and Severino makes one bad pitch to let's say a Nelson Cruz or something, and it's you know three-one Mariners in the seventh, that game might be over. And and you're and an amazing season is all for naught. So I think Cashman has a sense of urgency even more so than he had last year to go do the necessary things to get this team ready because certain guys, I mean, even Neil Walker, you can't continue. You got to run him out there right now because of uh, Torres's injury. But when Torres comes back, he might be a guy you got to pull the plug on. The guy has done nothing. He's hitting not even 200. And this is a veteran who we were saying he needs to play every day. Yeah. And I hope it's not going to release him. No, of course. And I hope if they do release him, he goes to a playoff team or on the, somebody on the cusp, and makes an impact like he did last year with the uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers, but um, let's just let's talk about one more Yankees thing. Let's talk about first base. You want to start with that? <laughs> what are your thoughts, man? Because well, I can a, tell you uh, right now, there was a Bleacher Report rumor that the Yankees are interested in uh, Mike Mustakis. 
to play first base, which I find really interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can't give up on Greg Bird. I just can't do it. The guy's got so much talent. Yeah, he does. And I, I, when I first saw it, I was kind of shocked, especially once the credible sources were rolling in. I mean, John Palmarosi broke it. Heyman broke it. And, and they're both saying, like, yeah, there have been scouts at these Royals games to have him play first. I think it's twofold. One, you know, the thing with Mike Moustakis this year is he hasn't been great. He, you know, he, he missed some time with an injury. He's only got eight home runs. You, I was a proponent of them signing him to play third base this year as that market broke down, you know, before the Brandon Drury trade. I say, get him on a one-year deal, put him in Yankee Stadium, he'd be great. Probably hit 40. Probably, yeah. I mean, he's a huge on-base percentage guy, and he'll play you a good third. So to ask him to play first is kind of like what they were doing with Headley last year when they got Todd Frazier, move him over from third to first. Um, I think if you were to make a trade for a guy as a rental, you're not just saying, Greg Bird, we're not going to give you a chance this year. I think that is the nail in the coffin for him. I think that's saying we we may not re-sign Moustakis, no matter how good he is, but we will be in the market for a first baseman, maybe Bryce Harper to play first. I don't know, but something outside the box because you can't tell me that a guy who's on a rental who or who's on a one-year deal you'd bring in and rather play over your guy, Greg Bird. Now, Greg Bird has been awful. I'm not defending him. Moustakis Another guy right around 200. Right, and Moustakis hasn't been awesome, but he's probably an upgrade right now. So if you're going to make – I'm, you know, I – I see Nick. I, I see Nick Johnson 2.0 with Greg Bird, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to because he's going to be that guy feeling, when he's healthy. He's good, but I if, get the feeling they're pulling the plug a little bit early. I would you do know too. What? I I'd rather it be early than late. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's one of those guys, right, where he can hit all over the field when he's in a good streak. There's nothing. There's no pitch that can get him out. But it's always going to be a little injury. You, you, you can't trust him to be healthy, to build your team around him at that, at that first base position. And he hasn't been productive enough. He's, he's just went over the 100 at bat mark. So, you know, this is where he should probably start to feel more comfortable. He is starting to play every day, even against the tough lefties. I hope he goes on a run. I'm a big Greg Bird guy. If you remember, he was kind of the first position player of this whole of this whole. Um, renaissance yep. to, to come up and play well when Teixeira got hurt in 15. Then he had the shoulder surgery, missed all of 16, missed basically all of last year until the stretch run where when he did come back, he was great. Uh, got hurt again with the foot this year, missed a lot of time, hasn't been good now. I mean, this could be one of those moves where Cashman says, you know what, that maybe that sense of urgency is back. And he's like, if I need to upgrade, you know, I'm sorry, Greg, we've given you every opportunity. We see a move to make. It probably wouldn't cost a whole lot to get a Mike Moustakis to play first base. I'd still like to see Greg Bird get a shot, but uh, oh, I don't know. of course, the talent is definitely there, and, and it's definitely intriguing. Um, I think that the Yankees will give him about two and a half more weeks, and if he continues to hit below two hundred and doesn't get hot very, very soon, then it's a wrap. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe they trade him in the off season. Yeah, because then really I was just know. gonna say, well, if you if you give up on him and at this point, you know he's not a corner outfielder. He's not a DH. You have your DH in Stanton. You're basically not going to play him. So do you say, hey, Greg, don't worry, we're going to get you right in the off season, and then you're and you're going to be our first baseman still, or is this the fourth straight off season where they say you're going to be our start or third straight off season where they say you're going to be our starting first baseman? 
and you know kind of just like that reoccurring pattern where you're you're waiting for that other shoe to drop either with an injury or or what have you i think they need to either you know shit or get off the pot at this point with him and you know it's mostly because of injuries but i mean the guy like you said he came up in 2015 almost you know three years ago i mean this is this is it's not like he's fresh out of the out of the system he's been up for a while um just hasn't played a lot <laughs> yeah ton of talent but you know you hate to see it but Bryce Harper at first base you got me excited now. yeah well that was one of the rumors that would probably be the only way they could get him uh and he you know I, I think that if that was the difference I mean Harper's had his own struggles we can kind of talk to that in a little bit he's hitting 210 he's got the power though that power hasn't on base had. percentage yeah but has, you know and as a first baseman that might be okay I mean if he hits your 40 home runs at Yankee Stadium even if he hits 215 and I think he'll hit better for average he's just having a down year and maybe he'll have an he, this guy could have a monster second half where he hits 375 and he brings his average up to 260. Yeah, and, and he wins the MVP before you know it. I mean, he got voted as an All Star. You knew it was going to happen in, in his home stadium. Uh, did he deserve it? I guess there's a lot of home runs, but I mean, this he I I honestly, if I were to guess, I would think that he probably hits above 300 for the second half, and he's. He might win. Yeah, finishes MVP. up at two sixty five, yeah, two seventy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hit you forty home runs. Yeah, it could be, but you know that's probably the only way he's getting. If if you want to talk the Yankees and and um, and Harper marriage, that's probably the only way it gets done. Maybe the Yankees think that that's something that could happen down the road. I think for sure, though, if you pull the plug on Greg Bird now, you're pulling the plug that uh, on his entire Yankee career. Yeah, you can't keep jerking him up and down and this, that, and the third. And I, like we said, it's it's mostly been because of injuries, but. You know, right now it's not because of injuries, unless if I I swear to God, if there's a bullshit injury that's supposedly keeping him back, like if it was the beginning of the year, it was his foot, or last year, last year, yeah, I, yeah, last year when it was like, why is he playing so bad, and then he ends up being out for the year, I'm done, like whatever, get rid of him, yeah, I can't take it, no, anymore. but that's and that's probably what the Yankees are thinking, and and you know it's a shame, but you know like Nick Johnson, when Nick Johnson left the Yankees, he was he was a he was a national, he played really well on those bad Washington teams, but they. They dealt with it, too. He was hurt a lot. When he was on the field, he was a very productive player. The Yankees got him back in the 2010 season to be their DH, and he didn't even last two months. And And you wonder if that's going to kind of be the Greg Bird story. All the talent the Yankees want to build around him. He's your prototypical left-handed power-hitting first baseman. But he can't stay. These on the field. two and a half weeks are going to be huge. I agree. Because if he gets hot and he hits four hundred or five hundred for the next two and a half weeks, I think we don't hear about Mustakis anymore. Yeah, probably not. I think that might be a last resort. There, I don't. I can't imagine the market for him is going to be all that high if it wasn't in the off season. I can't unless an, a big injury happens to a corner infielder on a contending team happens in the next yep. two and a half weeks. It's probably not going to be the big deal. So, but anyway, that kind of puts a wrap on that. Uh, what, what are you, what are our next uh, order of business? Quick blip. I um I see you wanted to talk about Judge and Stanton not doing the home run derby. Oh, That's yeah. kind of irrelevant to me. I mean, if I'm not I'm not mistaken, both of them have won the home run derby before. Yeah. I mean, who back cares? Back years. That's yeah. like that's like the dunk contest for me. It's like once you win it, it's whatever. And it's I don't. It, it's like the dunk contest altogether. Superstars don't even really do it anymore. You know, you don't have Michael Jordan or Vince Carter or whoever doing the dunk contest. And these big guys really, after their careers get going, aren't doing the home run derby anymore. Home run derby for me, it was fun last year and it was fun with Stanton. But aside from that, the last time I remember it being fun was maybe Josh Hamilton. In old Yankee Stadium, that was a really fun year. Or um, 
and he, I don't even think he won that year. No, he didn't. Morneau and, uh, won that year. Yeah, yeah Morneau, Morneau ended up winning because he got himself tired. And then the other one that was probably the most fun I had watching a home run derby was Bobby Abreu mm-hmm. in Detroit, I believe yeah. it was. Yeah, yep. that that was a very fun one just because it kind of came out of nowhere. But, you know, just something to mention, but really not a big deal. Yeah, it, I, I, I think way. Stanton, I will say this when it comes to All-Star game, I think Stanton's going to end up winning the um, the final vote. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I think the New York market, him being a new Yankee, I think he's going to get a ton of votes. Yeah, and, and you know what? He strikes me as the kind of guy that the pride probably wants to be there, but he also might just be like, listen, I need a little break. This has been a very eventful first half. I could use a few days off. He's yeah, been to start cooking rearranging lately. the he furniture that he just got. <laughs> yeah, he went deep again With today. Roommate. With his roommate. Yeah, I mean, he went deep again today. So, you know, he's got 22 home runs. If you look at his numbers, it, they really are very comparable to where they were last year at this time. But, you know, he was playing in Miami. Now he's playing in New York, and everything's going to be magnified. Maybe a few days off uh, without having to go to D.C. and do all the fanfare and everything. Uh, maybe it would do him good. Maybe he could just kind of catch his breath. Or, you know, you go out and you just continue to add to your perennial all-star pedigree. But, yeah, just a little thing. I mean, I, that that gives me more reason not to watch the Home Run Derby this year. Yeah, uh, sure. Unless Bryce Harper does it, you know, something great in Washington. But, you know, it's not that big of a deal. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, So then, yeah, we'll we'll just go around the league a little bit, I guess. Um, Machado rumors. Um, he's being linked to pretty much every team that has prospects now, which is kind of what you expected. You yeah. Know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, D-backs, Dodgers, Brewers, Braves, obviously the Cubs. Best fit for him, I think it would be. I mean, I think the Cubs are the best fit just because they can give up the best they can give up the best package. I'm looking at it from a Baltimore point of view. But I think from a lineup standpoint of a, an actual team, I think the Diamondbacks would be the best team for him to go to. Um, they don't really have a you know, an all star shortstop. They have Kitel Marte and Nick Ahmed out there. Both defensive-oriented shortstops. Um, Machado's probably better than both of them defensively and obviously offensively. Um, they have a really good third baseman in Lamb, and then they got the best, probably the best first baseman in all of baseball and Paul Goldschmidt, who's really turning around, and A.J. Pollock, who was the, the second-best outfielder in baseball behind Trout before he got hurt. Um, they have a really good team out there, a, a lot of good pitching as well. I think that he would probably have, out of all these teams, the best chance to win. Um, yeah. No, I, I I think that would be the best fit. I think so, too. I, I think the the Diamondbacks could kind of, you know, go for the jugular like they did last year where, you know, by the trade deadline, the Dodgers had been – you know, 20 games over 500, 20 games over in the division lead. I but they wanted year, to lock up that home field yep. in the wild card, which they got. it's the Diamondbacks division to lose. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers have been playing incredible baseball. I mean, I think they're only they're only two games back. The Giants are right there. The Rockies like are that, right there. Though, the the D backs are. It's going to be what they away. did with J D Martinez last year. You know, they were kind of in the thick of a wild card, and once they got J D Martinez, they really elevated themselves to that first wild card spot where they were able to secure home field and beat the um, Colorado Rockies in that first game. I think they're going to look at it from now the division standpoint. This year is, you know, they've been winning the division essentially all year long. They have all that talent that you just spoke to. Get, acquiring a Manny Machado 
would would really, I believe, put them over the hunt because you could see him having a game, a series in L.A., a big series in L.A. down the stretch run where he just goes off, kind of like what J.D. did when he went to the Diamondbacks last year. Yeah, J.D. has not skipped a beat. They really should have re-signed him. But. I just don't think they had the money to, I, 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 and I believe that they expected him to get that seven-year deal that he was asking for. I, I mean, we we kind of even way before the podcast began, we were saying the marriage between JD Martinez and Boston just made too much sense. That that was going to happen. Um, it was kind of inevitable. They needed that power and they got it. But what he did for Arizona last, at this time last year, when they acquired him, if they can get Machado to, to do that, which you know, he could. And, and you know what? You hope that you can sell him on Arizona and say, listen, we're going to win the division going forward. We're, we're going to re-sign Patrick Corbin, we're, we're not going to hear any of this Yankee stuff. We've got a good rotation. Let's continue to go and and maybe sell them on it. I, I, who knows? Um, the Cubs do make sense. They have, I think, the prospects and the major league talent that could entice Baltimore. Um, L.A., yeah, it just doesn't make much sense for this year, but are they really going to part with the prospects just to have him for this year? Especially when they already have the best shortstop last year. Um, Corey Seager. By all stats, yeah. Corey Seager, who, will, you know, it's Tommy John surgery. That's that's not the death sentence that it was even for a pitcher 10 years ago, especially for a position player. Um, yeah, but, you know, anything else around the league? No, I mean, I think in the National League East is very interesting. The Nationals have fallen on really hard times, and they have the talent. They're those, they're that team that you just keep waiting for because they've got the names. They have the you know the established success. You wonder how a team with a front line of of Scherzer and uh, and Strasburg are, are are losing, and they have a decent bullpen. I know they're trying to still add another arm to that. Bryce Harper, Adam Eaton. You want to know what's Juan funny Soto about that? is I, doing I, his best Gary Sanchez imitation. I had um I I said at the beginning of the year that exactly this was going to happen with the Nationals. Not to say that I'm an expert or anything, but I pretty much am. That they were going <laughs> to fall into a rut and they were going to have to pull up a rookie and he was going to tear it up. Unfortunately, Victor Robles, who I guessed was going to be the guy because he's the number two ranked prospect in all of baseball, ended up getting a little dinged up, and Juan Soto just happened to steal the spotlight from him. And there goes my my NL Rookie of the Year choice, dude. But but, but the the you know the the thing with Soto is he has he's been the best player in baseball. He's been the best National League rookie, and they're still losing a lot. I mean, they got swept by Boston last weekend at home. Um, they've been losing a lot. What I think what's really interesting in the NL East is, you know, Atlanta came into Yankee Stadium. I got to really watch them for the first real time this past year. They impressed me a lot. They have some good good pitching. I know they just had a tough series in Milwaukee, but I think Milwaukee is, is that right now they're the, they're the class of the NL central, um, and a very good team. But you know, the, the Braves, they're not bad. They have not some really good young talent. They impressed me a lot more than the Phillies did. When the Yankees went down to Philadelphia, There's they were good very young talent, good. But they're a few years away. They yeah. got Hodgkins and Herrera. And, yeah, you know, and Arietta hasn't been great for Nola's them. Nola's been very good. Yeah. But aside from that, they really don't have too much, whereas the Braves just seem like they have a lot more talent. I think that you know, for the Nationals, if I were to look you know, further down the line, since I pretty much have my finger on the pulse. Well, of course. Um. I think that, you know, they're a savant. The, yeah, exactly. I think that this all-star break and the trade deadline is going to be huge from them. I see them going out and getting two, 
you know, two arms, whether it be a starter or a bullpen, two bullpen guys, and I think that they're going to heat up and they're going to end up taking this division. It's going to be it's going to be kind of a stretch run. It'll be a nail biter. But I think that they're going to end up taking the division and going into the playoffs hot. I, I think they're going to ride the back of an extremely hot second half player in Bryce Harper, and I think I think he's going to make a run at the MVP second half. I mean, yeah, I mean the the not M- to mention Soto, Trey Turner, all the other talent that they have around him, and Zimmerman hasn't been great either. No, but they have gotten Mark up. Reynolds has been really quite the find out. I feel like you say them. that every year about Mark Reynolds. You go to the know. team, it's like what a find. Why can't this guy get a few years? on a deal. Yeah, I mean he, he signed a he signed Colorado a minor, he signed a minor league deal with the Nationals this every year. Every year it's the same shit. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, I think that this team has been everybody on this team. The Yankees have they've had each guy has gotten hot at different times. Every single player on this team aside from Soto has been cold. I think that when they start clicking and they heat up, it's you know as long as they can get in, they're gonna be they're gonna be fine. They have Strasburg's been on the DL. He's gonna be coming off. He just threw a 60 pitch bullpen a couple days ago. So by the all right after the All Star break, he should be good. I mean Scherzer, you don't have to say anything about him. Gio Gonzalez is still. A decent pitcher. Yeah, you f- you feel good about him taking the mound. Absolutely, I wouldn't mind him on the Yankees. You nope. know, not that not that they would trade for him, but no. I wouldn't mind him as a fourth starter on the Yankees. Their, their makeup on their roster is too good, but there's something missing, and I don't know what it is. And I I I, I equate a lot of what the Nationals and Braves are, or what the Red Sox and Yankees were last year. You know, the Yankees got off to this run. They were arriving a year too early. You kept waiting for them to kind of fall. You kept waiting for them to to fade, and they never did. They didn't end up winning the division, but you could make a case that even without winning the division, they were probably the best team in the league. Boston took off, and that's kind of what you're looking for Washington to do. But I'm telling you, I don't think Atlanta's going away. I think their pitching's no. really good. I think they're going to secure a wild card spot, maybe even the first, if they don't end up winning the division. And they'll make a move. You know, they've been they've been linked to Machado, um, Swanson. I mean, they. I think they're going to rather have him play third. But if he says I'm playing short, they'll do whatever they can, Maybe move Swanson to third or something. But I tell you, I was impressed with the way they played. They could have won all three games at Yankee Stadium. Um, those are three pretty evenly matched games, evenly matched teams. They have talent that just jumps off the screen at you. And Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, guys coming out of the rotation and the and the bullpen. Um, I, I like them a lot. I don't think they're going anywhere. Philly's kind of that yep. next step. I could see I could see the Braves pulling out, you know, a second wild card. I think the I think the first wild card, whoever wins it, is gonna come out of the, the West. West. Yeah. But then you've got then St. Louis is getting better though. They're they've been playing well lately. Yep. But and I think you know you're gonna have. The, I think both the Brewers and the and the Cubs are right there. You know the AL is pretty much you have your teams. In the NL, it's so much more wide open. And one big move, either it be for or a front line starter or Manny Machado or whatever, is gonna make the difference. I can't believe though that the New York Mets, who continue to just get destroyed by teams like the Tampa Bay Rays. And every last place team that you could think of that comes in, I know we spoke to the Rays are playing better, but they're still not a team where you would expect, you know, they're going to just come in and roll over you. They have some of the best assets in a very weak starting pitching market. They have some of the best assets. And let's just take a look at them for a minute. You know, we're comparing them to the teams in that division. 
Look at what the Braves did. They took every great asset, every big name, every move they could have possibly made and just acquired as much young talent. Look, I don't they think they didn't take that long to turn and the, it around. And the, this wasn't an Astros Cubs thing where it took 15 years for them to turn around. It took four, four or five, years, you know, dry years. Yep. And they're right back in it and they're going to be in it for the next five years. I think six the only years. guy that they committed to was Freddie Freeman. Everybody else yeah. they let go. And, and then, they were right on seemingly all of them. They got rid of McCann at the perfect time and Hayward, most importantly, who's been a fourth outfielder in Chicago. Yep. And they were able to turn Shelby Miller, you know, into a couple of really high end players, including uh, Dansby Swanson and Ender Enciarte. You know, you're starting shortstop and, and center fielder. And if you look at how the game has been going, these teams that are rebuilding or retooling, whatever you want to say, they're drafting and acquiring talent who are position players and building around elite position players who are going to be good for 10 to 15 years and then filling the holes in the rotation. That's what the Cubs did. You know, the Cubs had all this great, great talent position player-wise. Rizzo, Baez, Russell, Bryant, Schwarber, Contreras, everybody that they went down the line with, and then they were able to sign a John Lester and plug in a John Lackey and acquire a Jake Arrieta. And that's kind of where the Yankees have been going. That's what the Braves have been doing. And you look at the New York Mets, and they build around starting pitching. And they have the oldest, aside from the San Francisco Giants, at least they're winning, the oldest outfield and infield. They have no catcher. They're up the middle has been bad. Rosario has not panned out. I know the Mets it's young. haven't had a good catcher since what Paul Laduca. Yeah, and, and literally the last two years. You know, like it, they have though. They have no assets. They have no assets, and if young you, assets, right? Aside from Conforto. Um, Nimmo. Rosario and Nimmo. Besides that, nothing. Yeah, and their older players haven't played well enough where a contending team is going to want them. You know, at least Jay Bruce last year played pretty well. Where Maybe they Joey were able Bats, to trade him. I don't know. Maybe walk off home a, run. Yeah, right? but once again, you know, what's the, he going to get you? Maybe a double A pitcher. You know, a thirty-seven year old who's who's just really a guy who you can plug in against lefties off the bench. Um, but they have Degrom and Syndergaard, and they have Mats and Wheeler. I mean, those are four arms. Obviously, Degrom is the crown jewel. Syndergaard's right there at one B. I think Syndergaard's going to cost even more than Degrom because he's more controllable, younger, less miles on his arm, and the guy throws a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, Degrom has that pedigree of that postseason dominance, though. Not that yeah, Syndergaard doesn't, but I think teams like him a little bit more. Well, they know they could pay a little bit less for him as well. They're both going to cost a small fortune, but right. the thing is. The Mets aren't going to trade him. You know what's going to happen is they're going to end up trading Wheeler for pennies on the dollar. They're going to end up finishing below 500. And then at some point, DeGrom and Syndergaard are both going to walk. And they're going to watch the Phillies and the Braves take over that division. And you're still going to have the Nationals. I mean, even if they lose Bryce Harper, they're, they're going to have some good young players. They have Robles, who hasn't played yet. They have Juan Soto, who's going to win a National League Rookie of the Year probably. And, and, and the Mets are going to be stuck in Met purgatory where they're not, they're, they're not going to have anybody that you can look forward to. And I think they're doing their organization such a disservice by not even entertaining thoughts for those guys because, you know, we're talking about Jay Happ. Cole Hamels, those are nice arms. You know, they're 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 quality arms. Maybe if the Rays do anything to make a Blake Snell available or listen to him, you know, the Tigers maybe with Fulmer, those guys are kind of the next because they're young, controllable, and high have high upside. If you can plug a Jacob Degrom into a pennant chase, 
I mean, what better thing than that? Or Absolutely, a cinder guard. Yeah. Could and you imagine him on the Diamondbacks or the Dodgers? Dodgers. Yeah. If you could go, I know Kershaw's had his issues, but if you go Kershaw with with Degrom, and they have the prospects that they might not that's, want to trade for, a you Machado, could argue that that's a that's a lot better than Kershaw Darvish last year. Oh, that easily went to the World Series. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And and then the and then the Mets could get some of these high end prospects who at least you can look at and say, wow, you know, like this is pretty incredible. I mean, the Yankees didn't have to trade Andrew Miller. They had to trade Chapman. That made sense. And even Beltron. But they did not have to trade Andrew Miller. And they turned him into Justice Sheffield and Clint Frazier. And Absolutely. those guys haven't even panned out yet. I mean, Frazier looks exciting. Sheffield's been tearing it up in Triple A and is going to start the Futures game uh, on Sunday. But, I mean, think of all the guys that they, I mean, Glaber Torres, they got Glaber Torres for a rental. That's and a starting back. second baseman, and yeah. he's back. Now, and even if they all-star. didn't resign yeah. him, you win that trade. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, we could just leave it with this. I mean, it starts from the top down. I know that their their GM now, he he's he's sick. He I think he has cancer. Hopefully yeah. his bet gets better. And uh, Sandy Alderson, doesn't matter who's in the front office. It's a top-down kind of thing, just like any other company, any other conglomerate. They need new owners. And, and you know, so that's segueing into something else that I wanted to talk about. A team that needs a new owner that looks really <laughs> promising in the New York Knicks. Oh, we're going NBA. You didn't think we were going to leave a podcast off without the NBA, did Not you? when I just watched two summer league games, and I'm thinking the eight seed, baby, it's coming. <laughs> um, so go, man. This is your time. Yeah, you know, I, I watched I watched both summer league games almost, you know, from, from the tip to the final buzzer. Um, I, I was ecstatic with what I saw. Nilakina is the, one of the best perimeter defenders already in the league. And he, he, he had a step back shot that I was like, that wasn't there last year. And he looks, he looks good. Um, I don't want him as a primary ball handler, but as a secondary, um, point guard and your best perimeter defender, he's going to be a starter in the league for a long time. And I'm very excited about him. Kevin Knox, oh my God, he looks great. He really does. I mean, in summer league, you know, who gives a fuck? But the guy just looks. You have can, so little. Have yeah, fun that's with why this. I'm getting excited. Yeah, have the fun guy, with this. The guy's taking. I don't want to rain up, on your parade, man. The, Keep going. The guy's taking the ball up and down the floor. He's pulling up. He's got some moves. You know, he can create off the dribble, and his passing looks good. And the guy, and the guy that I was really impressed with, which was their second round pick, which I think could be the steal of the second round, was Mitchell Robinson. And you the said guy, that on draft night. The guy is a rim running center, a Clint Capella esque with more skill than. Clint Capella had the guy can shoot free throws already. He's got good form on his jump shot, and I mean, you if you if you watch you know House of Highlights on Instagram or Bleacher Report or anything, the guy's got you know seven blocks in two games, six blocks in two games, and he's pinning guys to the backboard. Um, him and Wendell Carter look like defensive forces already, and. He's got a nice pick and roll going too. And even if he's just a lob guy in his first year, you know, just because he he hasn't really developed an offensive game, hasn't really played any basketball since high school, that's fine. And I really like what Fizdale's doing talking about them and really hyping them up. And I and I think he's going to be a breath of fresh air when it comes to the Knicks for a player development guy. The last couple coaches that the Knicks have had 
it's just like, oh, you know, you got to wait till the next, you got to, they're not talking about developing talent. They want to sign the star free agent. Well, guess what? Maybe Kevin Durant will come. That story has been surrounding around. Maybe Kyrie Irving will come. That story. But right now you have Mitchell Robinson. You have Neil Aquina, You got Porzingis. You got Knox. You got Kevin yeah. Knox, you know? And, and the other guy who the Knicks signed literally the second the final pick was made in the draft was uh, Trier from Arizona, who had he not had the... I don't know what it was, performance-enhancing drug, some type of performance-enhancing drug thing in Arizona. I think he would have been a late first, early second-round pick. He looks really good. I mean, he was going in um, you know, on big men, scoring on them, really, really hustling on defense. I think he might make this team out of camp, which is, which is fine by me. I mean... I think I think it would be great for the Knicks to go really, really young. Listen, your your excitement coming from your voice, you know, I make fun of you because it you know, it's the Knicks, but you know, look at the team I root for across the bridge, you know. Yes. So I mean, come <laughs> on. But no, I if I were if I were in your position or these players were on the nets or if I were a Knicks fan, I'd be ecstatic to, with what I'm seeing. You know, you're you're at least seeing promise from a second year lottery pick. And you're seeing really good play from this year's lottery pick. It looks like he was probably the perfect guy to draft. And it's the summer league. You're playing against other rookies. You're playing against other guys who are trying to find their way onto rosters. In and the in summer the league. league, what I look for personally is a little bit of basketball IQ where you're not running around with a, like with a deer in headlights kind of look. And hustle. I want to watch you want to win the game. I don't want you to go out there and Trey Young shoot from the logo every single time. I, I like to see the guys that are going to go after loose balls, that are going to dunk the ball hard, that are really just going to go out there and go after it. And, you know, I don't care if, you know, you don't run the best set out of, out of an inbounds play or you didn't set a perfect screen and roll off of it perfectly. All that shit's going to get developed. That You know, you got drafted a fucking week ago. I just want to see, you know, a little bit of basketball IQ and that you have an idea of what you're doing out there and hustle, especially for Mitchell Robinson, who the guy hasn't played since high school. If I can see you hustle and be able to stand up with these guys who've played way better competition with you, I'm happy. Well, here's an, and to speak to that too, is that is what you're going to get on this Nick team. And that's how you're going to get playing time because here's what's going to happen. You're going to go into the season. It's not going to be explained but it's all understood this is not a team that's expecting to win this is no. not a team that's that's going to sign free agents this is not a team that's going to try to attract any of that in the which past is why, which is better for them which is why i'm going to tell you it's going to be a frustrating season because one i will say this uh, i'd be happy if porzingis doesn't play all year get healthy chris Tom. yeah but if he's or ready you'd like to see him play yeah and i think because that's going to be a big thing to get a Kyrie or a durant what gonna i'm going to be really healthy. frustrated by is if trey burke is keeping all the minutes if you don't think trey burke is your point guard of the future or Emmanuel Moutier is getting all the minutes and he's not your point guard of the future no cut him loose and and another guy who is who is going to be the biggest thorn in my side and the most frustration, there's two guys, Cantor and Hardaway. You made yeah. a terrible deal for Hardaway last year, and if you're just playing him because he's costing you money and whatever, no. Uh, if you can flip him for something great, I don't want to see him stunt the growth of a guy you just signed in a Hazonia or a Kevin Knox or any of these other guys. Tim Hardaway Jr. is what he is. He's a 3 and D guy on, on a decent playoff team off the bench. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I don't think you're going to have to worry about any of those situations playing out. I think they're going to start the veterans because it's the safe bet. Don't put too much pressure on the rookies because you... Not that they're the best role models. I like an Enos Cantor. I told you, I didn't think that was the worst resign that he, he's a or decent that, locker yeah, that he guy. took into it. And he's going to have some toughness on the court. He'll go up against LeBron James. He's going to battle for those offensive rebounds. Mitchell Robinson could probably learn a, a thing or two from him, especially with the athleticism that Mitchell Robinson has to play down there. Um, I, I think he's a guy that you don't mind having around. Tim Hardaway Jr. was a signing and was a was a product of the old regime that you're trying to get away from. I think he's going to play because just as far as pure production, he's going to be the one that you're going to look to and say, okay, well, we're going to look for him to get the most minutes. Take some pressure off the rookies. How many times do we see rookies who set the world on fire and by game 30, 32, you know, they're kind of running on fumes. You don't want to burn these guys out. You want to have that perfect match of we're going to play you, we're going to develop you, we want to see you. But the other thing, this is now David Fisdale's team. This is not Hornacek, nothing that happened under the old coaching staff or the old GMs you know, prior to uh, Perry coming in is going, to, is going to matter. They're going to say, Trey Burke, we really like you. You're playing really well. I know we like Frank Nittokina, but you know what? Phil Jackson drafted him, and maybe you're our guy. We took a flyer on Emmanuel Moutier. He's not really doing anything. You're not going to see the floor. David Fisdale has to look for heart. He has to look for that hustle that you just spoke to from the the summer league. You're going to look for athleticism. You're going to look for reasons to see these guys develop. It's going to be a hard year for wins losses unless these guys just blossom into just ridiculous players off the bat and maintain that through the all-star break. The Knicks are not a playoff team. The Knicks are probably... The Knicks are probably way down at the bottom. But you know what? Seeing where the Nets were two years ago, this year the Nets played hard and were capable of winning against even the best teams. And they took a lot of the good teams by surprise. One of the best compliments you can say about a bad team, Brad Stevens said, that team is not easy. That team is not fun to play against. And the Nets simply lost because they don't have the talent of the Boston Celtics. If you can develop that culture, and David Fisdale can develop that culture around that around that clubhouse, along the league, around the league rather, that's what you're looking for. Am I wrong? No, I, I completely agree with you. I just like to see, you know, this season you're not going to get much more than just player development and progress. And that's all I really want to see is that. I don't care if the Knicks lose by 15 against, you know, the, the Sixers or the Celtics or, you know, the class of the NBA, that's fine. But it's just like, how did, you know, the Even young guys the lesser play? teams, you know, they're not. Fine. Yeah. Because you know what? Then they'll be in the lottery next year to get another asset. You'd much rather watch this team win 18 games than see the Knicks win 18 games when Carmelo Anthony's jacking up 35 shots a game. It's kind of like, you know, the old Yankees, right? You, you don't mind seeing the Yankees lose if Gary Sanchez is going deep and playing really well and, you know, a, a, a piecemeal bullpen is blowing a lead, you'd rather see that than, you know, see Carlos Beltran go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts in right field. You yeah. know, that's that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. And uh, the mellow thing is a good segue into probably the final segment, which is we'll talk, you know, a little remainder of NBA free agency and some Kawhi trade talk because he's basically a free agent. Um so Melo got released by the Thunder. Um, I think they're going to stretch his contract, which is basically, I think it's the new NBA version of an amnestied contract, or they're going to buy him out. I, I don't know. I think they're buying him out. I think that's what they I They might saw. stretch yeah. him, though, but whatever, regardless. 
Um, I think it's only a matter of time before he signs with the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like you would assume that would be the team, right? Maybe the Lakers, but I think, yeah, the Rockets make sense. You play him off, but the the thing with Carmelo is, he's, is he going to agree to come off the bench? You know, the, I the, think he that will because he's with he, his buddy Chris Paul and... You know, maybe if because Melo, it's like it's not going to hurt your legacy if you average twenty points off the bench. It's not, but Carmelo is stubborn, man. He doesn't want to do that, and, and and he wouldn't even do that for for Oklahoma City. You know, he laughed at the concept of him coming off the bench, and I, I don't know. I in theory, could he go to a team like Houston with his boys and play well and 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 come off the bench and hit some threes and get hot in a game or two? Of course, he can. I mean, he ha- still has the scoring ability, but. Do you want that in the locker room? You know, he's just a guy. If he didn't work out with Westbrook and George, is you know maybe LeBron is the only guy that could really you know get him to be like, here's the deal. You can come here because you know LeBron's running that and saying you can come of here, course. but you're gonna come off the bench. We're gonna ask for you to score at some isolated ball at certain times, but this is not your team. This is not your. This is the role we're asking you to play. Is is he has he swallowed enough pride to do that? I, I don't know. I don't know if he has. I don't know if he's a guy that you bring him in. I really thought he was going to play well in Oklahoma City. Maybe that was my ignorance, not being a Nick fan. But I thought that was going to be a role that was good for him. He doesn't have to be the one option. He doesn't have to be the two. But you can get him into some good positioning and and have some mismatch on mismatches on the court where he can shoot over guys. He can back some guys down. And he did have some flashes this year, but. He never played well with Paul George, and he never played well with Russell Westbrook. And and I think Russell Westbrook gets a bad rap for you know I don't think he's as I don't think he's as selfish as, as people make him out to be. George is certainly not a selfish ball player. Carmel didn't fit with them. If he, I mean, I think really LeBron and Paul are the only guys. But is he going to work with Harden? That I don't know. I, I, so, well, it's all a matter of if he wants to come off the bench. But we'll have to see how that one unfolds. I'm interested to see the amount of money he gets. If it's the league minimum, I don't really know what Houston... I mean, they have a great GM in Daryl Morey, and he'll figure it out, you know, how they're going to pay him and whatever. Um, that'll be really interesting to see coming up. A couple other free agents you got left. You got um, Marcus Smart. You got... Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker. You got Clint Capella. These guys are all restricted free agents. Um, aside from what Jabari... Are your, what are your thoughts on some of those guys? Jabari Parker, I don't think, is going to be back with Milwaukee, especially because they just signed Ilyasova to an absurd amount of money. And they signed Brooke Lopez to a one-year yeah. deal. Which, yeah. which, that's a good move. Because you have Giannis in the middle who can rebound and, and he can block shots. Lopez can Lopez, hit that three now, yes, too. Yes, Lopez is more of a stretch guy, and he's not very... I mean, you know, as a Nets fan, he was never the... You know, if you're he's averaging 7.8 rebounds. Oh, yeah, rebounding game. is not his game. And, and, and playing interior defense is not his game either. Great pick-and-roll guy, really good passer out of the post and a good shooter, which is something that I think they can use. Um, I think Parker goes to a team like the Brooklyn Nets. I think that he. I would be love there. that. I would love that. I, I think it would be good to sign him to a two-year deal. You know, see how it goes. See how see how healthy he is. You got plenty of room on that team. I don't think he's going to stunt Hollis Jefferson's growth or Levert's. Nope. There's enough minutes to go around. Yeah, maybe he. Maybe he. You know, play. Maybe he takes that Damari Carroll role. Maybe Damari Carroll goes somewhere else. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think if you could use that, I mean, once again, how many times do I have to say take 
take chances on these former lottery picks. Some of them will work out. Some you of don't them have won't. to lock them up to a six-year deal. Just no. give them two years, and you know he doesn't seem to be getting anything anywhere. And the Nets should be doing what they've been doing in the past, which is um, putting other teams in a position where they have to make a decision. You know they did that with Alan Crabb. They did that with a couple other guys. Tyler Johnson. Like, Fuck it. We're going to give him an offer sheet. We're going to call your bluff. We're going to put you guys in debt. And yep. I like that competitiveness, and I wish more teams in the NBA would do it. Where you know, like, Clint Capella right now, if there was a team out there to offer, because you're not you're not mortgaging any cap space for any other free agents. There's nobody out there. No. Put an offer sheet out there and, and, and have the Rockets put all their chips on the table. Where do you think Capella would be a good fit? I don't really know because I don't know how many teams have cap space. I don't really see him being able to go anywhere. I think he's going to take a qualifying offer from the Rockets and see how free agency goes next year because I think the cap's going to increase next year. I think the only guy out of the the remaining few restricted free agents that doesn't re-sign with his own team is Jabari Parker. I think Marcus Smart goes back to the Celtics, um, kind of dragging his head he a little really bit. He really fits that team, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's very aggressive. Um, you know, Marcus Smart would be – Marcus Smart's the kind of guy where even if he was on the worst team in the NBA, he makes that team better just by how hard he works and his hustle. I love him on the Knicks. We're, they're already too guard-heavy. He'd be great on the Nets. Um, but I think that he returns to the Celtics and hopes – there's a better free agency forecast for next year as well. I think the only guy who's going to walk and go somewhere else is Jabari. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to get your take on that because I've noticed too, this is usually around that time that those refri- those restricted free agents start getting those offer sheets. You know, you start to see it on Bleacher Report. You start to see it on ESPN sign, you know, whatever team. Well, you got Zach Levine with an offer sheet as well right yeah. now waiting on the – Well, I the think Nets the went for matched. Otto Porter last year around like the, the the 11th of July. So we're kind of in that window now where these which guys really are Which really mortgaged Washington's future. It did. Which is great. I yeah. Mean, for the Nets and somewhere down the line. Right. You so, would think that they're not going to have to compete with the Wizards now for someone yeah, else. Yeah, you would think that if they really – if the Bucks were really going to take on – Parker, they would have done something already. And there doesn't seem to be teams that have... They wouldn't have signed Ilyasova is what they wouldn't have done. Right. And Ilyasova fits that team. Ilyasova is one of those guys. It's like he bounces between Milwaukee and Philly, but like he's... And he's been on six teams in three years. Yeah. He's, I, I don't think he's a good basketball player. No, I, I, think he's, I think he's one of those guys where it's funny where, you know, he'll, he'll, be, he'll sign a deal with a team and they won't be that good, but then for some reason, part of the reason he's on those in those trades is because somebody sees some value in him in a second-half player. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then as for, you know, the final thing, we'll, we'll talk about Kawhi for two seconds. I, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, I could see the Spurs just dragging this out. And the Lakers are just going to call their bluff and say, fuck it, we'll sign next year. Do you remember when the Kyrie Irving trade went down last year? Was it in August? No, it was in late July. Late July. Maybe we get to around that point. You know, there's going to be ha- there's going to have to be something that happens. I... I I don't see a scenario in which he goes to stay or stays with San Antonio. I just think if I'm looking at it from LA's perspective, and if I'm Magic Johnson and whoever else, you know, LeBron James runs that team, why am I giving you Brandon Ingram a first round pick if they have one and other assets when I'll just wait it out? We're probably not going to win the NBA Finals anyway. You know, we're really going to have to grind because the Warriors got better, if anything, with Billy Cousins. Somehow figured out a way to get better. We'll let them that get theirs, and then next year we'll sign them and we won't have to give you anything. And Brandon Ingram will be our – we'll have a starting lineup of Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kawhi, 
LeBron, yeah, imagine. Kawhi, LeBron, and then whoever they're going to start at center. And they'll have Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and, you know, somebody else coming sure off the bench. Sure sounds good. You know, that's a LeBron one year older, but you think if you pair him with Kawhi Leonard and all that young talent that probably if got the Spurs, If you're the Spurs and this brings back a very bad memory for me, and I can't believe you're making me talk about this. Sorry. You got to do it like the Carmelo thing. You got to hope that in that an owner gets super antsy and says, if I can't have him now, we might not get him. And then you have a situation where if you look back at what happened with the Knicks, instead what of happened? just waiting, fuck you. <laughs> instead of just waiting till free agency to sign Carmelo, where it was an inevitability, James Harden, James Harden. James Dolan, I'm sorry. James Dolan. James Harden would have made a better decision basketball-wise. I, I would think so. I, I, James Dolan got a hard-on for Carmelo, and, oh, let's sell some tickets, and you had to really mortgage your future and trade guys who, fine, you weren't going to win a championship, but you trade a Wilson Chandler, a Danilo Gallinari, um, and, and, some, and, and some picks for a guy who you could have got for nothing. Right. And that's what you're hoping with as the Spurs. You're hoping either Philly says if we can't have him now, we're not going to have him, you know, when he when he's ready to be a free agent, or you're hoping Boston says that who Boston won't. No, Danny Ainge is not going to be backed into any corner. It's a staring contest right now between the Lakers, the the Sixers, and the Spurs, unless some random team comes out of nowhere and swoops in. Yeah, no, that's a really and good point. I don't point. think that happens. I, I I would be very intrigued to see the Lakers do that. I think they do have a sense of urgency, but but Magic Johnson said this was going to be a two-year plan going into this offseason. You know what, though? And I was thinking about this. We're about an hour and 12 in, so we, we got to wrap up. But if I'm the Sixers, I make the move because with a, the, 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 the guy that he went to visit, um, the doctor, is the Philadelphia 76ers doctor. So if they show any interest, that means that his – quad or whatever injury that it was is is fine because he definitely is the best guy to ask and if you think about it you got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid under control for a long time in a very very weak Eastern Conference if the Sixers get him they're perennial favorites to go to the NBA Finals regardless of what the Celtics look like unless they get Anthony Davis anytime yeah I think they just their only concern is is would he stay I think if you're winning, you got to take the chance. I mean, it's not like you're you're going to Milwaukee. You're going to Philadelphia, not my favorite city, probably not your favorite city. But never it's been. Still, don't have much of a desire to. But it's still, <laughs> it's still a, a bigger market nonetheless. And I think you can sell them on winning. And I think you got to take that chance. You give up a Markel Fultz, who at the end of his contract is going to be going to take a lot, lot of money. No, I, I, I agree. It's going to take a Markel Fultz. It's going to take an unprotected first round pick, and it's probably going to take Zaire Smith. I'm willing to give that up if I am the 76ers to get a top three player when healthy and the best defender in basketball, head and shoulders. The best defend, the best perimeter defender, by all accounts, in the NBA since Scottie Pippen. Yeah, I mean that, and that's quite the mark to have. And you hope, you know, just to finish up here, you you do hope that what happened with uh, Paul George last year in Oklahoma City ends up happening. With a with a Kawhi Leonard, I mean, if you told me I at this time last year situation that Paul George. George was going to say, "No, I would rather stay in Oklahoma City than go to Los Angeles," I would have said that you're out of your mind. But 
they were able to sell him and and it's not like the it's not like the thunder are you know picked to win the west anything like that but if you can sell Kawhi Leonard say listen I know you want to be in LA I know you've said you want to be in LA and that's all everybody's saying but let me tell you something you're now in the east there's no LeBron James in the east you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid we're going to make you really happy. We're going to sign you to whatever you want. We're going to continue to acquire some talent around you. We're going to be we're going to surpass Boston as the class of the East. We're going to be going to the finals every single year and we're going to take down one of those Western Conference teams. Philly's cold. It's not LA. It, but that's a passionate fan base in that city, and I know it's Eagles one, Phillies two, Flyers right there. I think the six, but they do rally around their Sixers. They did when Iverson was there. You saw what that building was like in the postseason this year, in that first round, and even against Boston. That's a city that's ready, and and maybe he's that one piece that they can sell on and say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make the gamble this year, but also with the full intention that you can pull a Paul George and stay. Yeah, I just think that they're in a much better situation than to re-sign a guy like Kawhi than even the Thunder were, and look, they did it. So, yeah, I think that just about wraps things up. We're about an hour and 15 in. I didn't think this would be a long one. No, but, we our, our, uh, our pre-show talk was, was like, all right, well, we're going to go with baseball and a little basketball, but... We know our stuff, man. We, we can have fun, too. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much a savant. But, um, all right, man. Well, it's good talking to you. Um, pretty much baseball and basketball next week. Absolutely. Leading up into NFL training camp coming up soon. Yeah, Should and be baseball fun. trade deadline. I mean, the, the rumors are going to get even, even more crazy coming up. So maybe by the time we talk next, there was a big move that was made. If not, getting even closer. Absolutely. All right. All right, man. All right, take care.